Good day, everybody. Welcome to the Got Brain podcast presented by Cognitivology, where we will continuously discuss and present in detail the mechanics of intuitive intelligence that are built on our inborn basic intuition. Plus, we will also be presenting the true mechanics and virtues of diversification. Now, you may be pondering, what do these two things have in common? And this is something we will continue to present and unfold for you about the significant connection between these two facets of our human potential. I would like to introduce myself. I am Carla Mencken-Wolf and also my wonderful best friend and editor, Bryce Conway. And she's going to say something. What would you like to say? Hi, everybody. My name is Bryce Conway, as Carla Mencken-Wolf had just said. Uh, I wanted to say that we are, in fact, the mechanics of intuition and diversification. I hope you guys enjoy uh, our presentation and stick around for others. Uh, we, we welcome all comments and questions. Um, we will try to answer them all throughout the next couple of weeks or months, and hopefully on this journey of brain potential the discovery you guys will learn something um this information is only uh was developed by us and only can be presented by cognitivologists which is what we are and we also hope to learn something from you as we from all of you in our audience as we learn about the questions and inquiries you have about true human brain potential or the genuine, bona fide, authentic potentialities of what our brain has intended us to be and become in all of our commonality and our uniqueness. Go. Hi, this is Carla. And Bryce again, and we are here to continue speaking about gut brain, intuitive intelligence, and the anatomy of both intuition and diversification and inclusion. So the last couple of sessions, we spoke about introducing these ideas, which we indeed did. Yes. And... Now we'd like to give a little bit more of a definitive explanation of the whole formula and also explain something about the formula in general. So to start with, we began with explaining the terms cosmically correct or the natural principles of knowledge plus cognitively correct, which involve the fundamental principles of math and the laws of physics that are one and the same with cosmically correct, but also are more specifically attributable to or applicable to or commensurate with and necessary for uh, monitoring and managing the brain's hardwired system of what we have come to term the cocktail system. 
So cognitively correct involves the cocktail system, which, as we previously explained, are the properties of compassion, optimism, communication, curiosity, charity, creativity, knowledge, truth, trust, transparency, transference, altruism, uh, intelligence, and also logic and love. Did we miss a little piece, one of those little eyes with intuitive intelligence? What, yep. What was it? Do you remember? <laughs> <laughs> There's uh, another little I attribute. Mean, you know, imagination. Yes, imagination. Thank you very much. Okay. I should be a little bit more imaginative today, but being However, you added a lot of C's. I did add a lot of C's, but there are we, you know, the actual spelling has a couple of small C's there as the big T's have a couple of small T's there. And the big I has a little I there, which is imagination. But because I'm being a little bit more technically oriented today, I probably left out that imagination factor, which is extremely important to intuitive intelligence. Yes. My apologies. Okay. So to continue on, if we do... One variable, we say capital CC, cognitively correct, and then small CC, cognitively correct. There has to be a synthesis. So what that really means is that the cocktail code that we just mentioned, um, which is endemic to the one of the first cognitive processes that we go through, which is emotional intelligence, that has to be systematically and incrementally laid out and sacred to the natural principles of knowledge um, with intuitive language development for children. And so what we teach children has to be commensurate with the cocktail code. And then the codes of knowledge that we teach them in everyday things have to be commensurate with cosmically correct or natural knowledge principles. So um, that would be the first part of the formula. And then, of course, we get to diversification and inclusion because diversification is a cognitive process and it's applicable to everything we learn because anything you learn has a certain diversity to it. And inclusion means that diversification actually has to be included in everything. <laughs> Otherwise, how will it be diversified. Um, intuition, of course, is something we're born with. And um, when we become more familiar with the basic understanding of intuition, which is the connection between all pieces of knowledge and information, then we have a foundation that is, you could actually, what we could actually say is already genetically predisposed because everything in the universe has some form of intuition and functions according to its full purpose and potential instinctively and intuitively. So upon that foundation, we build the increments of intuitive intelligence, which for humans is, has to be built in conjunction with the stages of cognitive development because our brains develop after we're born because we need the spiritual quotient of intelligence to develop, the emotional quotient, and then, of course, then there's the intellectual quotient, the wide diversification of 
knowledge provided by the resources of the universe. And then finally, a synthesis of all of those things that allow us to use computational thinking to diversify everything we know across those four quotients of intelligence, spiritual quotient, emotional quotient, intellectual quotient, and willful or volitional decision-making reasoning quotient of intelligence. And uh, our intuition, which guides the way we first learn language, which gets coded with everything that we know, gives us a definition and an understanding of how all of the knowledge properties that we acquire should be as easily applicable and as easily learnable as language, because we learn language intuitively and then the codes of knowledge are within language. And altogether, as we already mentioned, that does uh, qualify our ability to do computational thinking intuitively rather than have to learn computational thinking later and do it very consciously where we have to strain our brains <laughs> to do the math. <laughs> so we, we want to also bring in another element and that is the advent or the coming age of quantum information processing that will be consistent and commensurate with the coming age of quantum computing and more artificial intelligence. And artificial intelligence, although it's artificial, also has to be based on the natural principles of knowledge. And since humans build computers, then and humans' intuitive intelligence has to be commensurate with the natural principles of knowledge, then, of course, we have to build in artificial intelligence to be commensurate with human intuitive intelligence. And when we can do that, which also includes our multidimensional sensory tools, <laughs> then we have something more akin to what we would, what we we do define as quantum information processing or the wave of the future in which we understand quantum information processing. Now, anyone who's interested in computer science knows that in quantum computing, instead of having just bits, you have qubits, which means quantum bits. And what does that mean? In classical computers, you have zeros and ones. And in quantum computing, you also have zeros and ones. But in classic computing, zeros are zeros and ones are ones. Quantum computing, zeros and ones are interchangeable, or they're interidentical. So they're completely transferable. Now, I'm going to sort of go on to a margin note here and explain that uh, the reason why this is important is because we want to understand a particular phase in early development in which uh, we, we speak of neuronal development and neuron generation or neuron regeneration. And although we think of cognition as being purely a neuronal property, in the early years of development, it's actually more impressive on a genetic scale. 
especially because everything in the first five years is still dominated by emotional cognitive development. And that has a more impressive stage on the genetic scale. In other words, plasticity is more genetic than it is neuronal. And that's consistent with the four-year-old brain where all cognitive functions are simultaneously zeros and ones. So it's really unnecessary for there to be all this neuronal plasticity interconnectivity going on because it's already there endemically. The zeros and ones are interchangeable. That really means what we're saying is that the four-year-old brain is actually the quantum brain. And when we consider at that time that we're still learning language intuitively and we're learning everything intuitively, which is based on cosmically correct and cognitively correct knowledge, then the four-year-old quantum brain where zeros and ones are the same thing that understanding the four-year-old brain is essential to understanding and establishing all the codes and postulates and properties for full human brain potential. Now, I know that everything I just said is like a super mouthful, a super headful, a super mindful. Um, so I am going to say... What shall I say? I'm going to say, what do you have to say about everything I just said? You've said nothing. Oh, I will say one more thing. One thing that's actually very sure also in neuroscience is that there's certain surges, uh, neuronal surges during the stages of development. One of them is at the very beginning, you know, just when a newborn is a newborn, and then there's one at the sort of three-year-old stage, and there's another one at the sort of six, seven-year-old stage, and then there's another one just kind of at the beginning, pre-teen, beginning of teen, and I think there's one last one getting very near the end of the two-and-a-half decade, uh, what should say, finalization of uh, cognitive development. And I think that even in neuroscience, it's very typical for people to think that these particular stages are important. But I think what neuroscience fails to recognize or acknowledge or reconcile is that the neuronal surge is less important than the stage of time preceding the surge. So that if the elemental properties are there, then when the surge comes, it does what it needs to do. And so I think this is another reason why the four-year-old stage is completely neglected and lost in neuroscience, because, I mean, they have hardly figured out what this stage means. So even though there's a surge at the three-year-old stage, and there's another surge at the six, seven-year-old stage then this four, five-year-old stage, which is actually really more three-and-a-half to five-year-old stage, it's really just sort of left out in, in obscurity, and nobody really understands what it means. So it's that time when that's when the, the, the quantum brain is first appearing, so to speak, which is what ultimately, you know, the, the universe 
works according to quantum information processing, which is entanglement. And I know that in science, they say that few people understand it, but I think that they, that few people understand it because they really see it in terms of measurement and observation rather than it being uh, intuitive and transparent and being able to transfer knowledge and information instantaneously, which is what the zeros and ones of the four-year-old brain are doing. So when you look into the future and you think about quantum information processing and where we're going into the future, we have to become more and more aware. If we're going to talk about awareness, we have to become more and more aware of what the four-year-old brain means. But to end this session, I will say this much, and then I will let you say whatever it is that you want to say about anything that I just said. Um, I think that a lot of people resist understanding this four-year-old stage because either they forgot about it or they think it's meaningless. They forgot their own lifetime at that stage. But the teen brain is actually like an X-ray of the four-year-old brain. It's it's literally um, a cognitive MRI of the four-year-old brain. So when we can reconcile more with what the team brain is really doing, because it's this is a hot topic, then it gives us a platform to sort of acknowledge and reconcile what the four-year-old brain means. And then we can put the connectivity pieces together between the four-year-old brain and the teen brain to finalize what the brain ultimately does, which is the WQ, the willful or volitional reasoning quotient of intelligence. And hopefully you will have stayed with us thus far in this complex explanation and be with us in the next sec session where we can take this information and kind of simplify it between the connection of the four-year-old brain and the teen stage of brain activity. Okay, say something now. <laughs> you do that to me all the time. And, and then I'll start something and you'll be like, but wait, I have to tell you this one thing. <laughs> I've been doing that to you for 20 years. So, it's you know, true. okay. It's true. Um, I, you know, honestly, I don't know if we introduced the notion of plasticity in any ah. of the other. Okay. Well then sessions. let's add that to the next session where we talk about, since we talked about the plasticity at the four-year-old stage and where it's really more genetic, but where the zeros and ones, I mean, the zeros and ones being interchangeable and identical really defines the plasticity. And that's what neuroscience is really saying now, that plasticity itself at those early stages, those early years, plasticity itself is more influential on the genetic level than on the neuronal connectivity level. So we can easily tie that into the neuroplasticity with the four-year-old quantum brain and then the fine-tuning of the teen brain mastering reasoning and computational thinking and all of those other special little qualities that go with 
the fuller development of the prefrontal cortex. Does that answer your question? I don't necessarily know if I had a question other than the fact that I didn't think we had introduced the concept of plasticity. And I think that there are a lot be- of new concepts that we've just uh, just thrown at our listeners. Yes. Um, Poor listeners. So, <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, if you could tell diversification and inclusion, we use that on all of our sessions. And if you were hoping to get one small piece of information in regards to something that we said in a previous episode, well, you're just going to have to keep listening because I guarantee you we will cover it all probably more than you ever thought you wanted to know. (laughs) But you you do want to know it. You made a really particularly special point because probably a lot of people are wondering why are we talking about the mechanics and anatomy of intuitive intelligence and throwing diversification in there. But the point that you brought up about plasticity or neuroplasticity, neuroplasticity and diversification can essentially be defined as a zero and a one that are quantum and interchangeable. I mean, diversification and plasticity go together like waves on the shoreline, as we talked about once in another session. Um, one without the other is kind of impossible. Right. They're inseparable. So we uh, we can make a note of that. Okay. And then we can, before we make our audience run up for the hills, <laughs> um, we hope that you will stay with us. We totally appreciate you taking the time out of your life and your schedule to stretch your own imagination and computational thinking and explore a very authentic version of what full human brain potential is. So, And if you have figured it out now, Carla is uh, a master at all of this information, but sometimes we uh, need help from our audience to narrow down some of the questions that you might have to ask us. Yes, please ask us anything. We would love to hear from you. We would love to answer your questions, feedback, comments, questions. They're all read. They're all um, answered. Uh, we, We take real pride in, you know, having a personal personal connection with our audience with all of you yes and uh hopefully you'll reach out to us uh got brain podcast at gmail.com that is our email address it's got brain podcast at gmail.com uh, anything that you want to ask, we would be more than happy to answer. And thank you for being here with us today. Thank you for listening. Take okay. care. Bye.